welcome back to the Culture Shock Podcast. We are your hosts, Kumo and Vuyo, and we will be continuing this week talking about our experience moving abroad, coming back, and everything in between. What does cultural presence look like? And yeah, kind of ending off that discussion because we got right into the weeds last week and we mm. feel like it just, it needs a little tying off like a bow. Don't you think, Fuyo? I agree. Very much <laughs> so. So mm-hmm. to start, I want to ask you some questions. Um, when you moved, or at least let's reiterate first, how old were you when you moved? I was a fresh 18. I'm not even. I literally was a week and a half away from my birthday. So I was 17 when I moved. Oh, that's a lie. I was 18. I was 18. I was going to turn 19. Yeah. Oh, but okay. I I, I was 19 turning 20. And this was Mm. for me in 2016. Um, But yeah, so I want to know how many years you spent there. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to ask you when and why you came back. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent nine years in America, moving around on the East Coast. It's a lot of time. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I initially, honestly, I went for undergrad and I was like, I'm going to go back. Like, I'm going to just go get my degree and come back. And then I got into a very nice, prestigious, fancy grad school. And I was like, damn. I mean, I guess I can't say no to this very exciting school. So I stayed another two years. And then after that, I worked for another three years. So yeah, I was there for a total of nine years before I officially came back to South Mm. Africa. Yep. Wow. And and in that time, you who wow, that's a lot of time, first of all. <laughs> um, but in that time, you were coming back home to visit, you maintained contact with family. Yeah. Relatively. Yeah. And then your social your social contacts as well were those. Oh, interesting one. Yeah. So I, I came home every summer and winter, which was a huge privilege, like in hindsight. Not everyone got to do that. I knew a lot of people um, who were also from South Africa or other countries who literally were like, well, I'm here and this is it. Like, if I go mm. home, I have to be going home. There's no like going home for a little bit and coming back. Can't afford that. Yeah. Even, like, yeah. Not having parents. Like, I had the privilege of my parents coming for my graduation. And like, there was a year when my grandmother died and I had to leave really quickly. But my parents then mm. just like, the drop of a hat decided to come and visit, which was really wonderful to have them. Um, But yeah, so I maintained social contacts with my parents. I mean, up until COVID, honestly. So for the most part, I think there were maybe, there was like one Christmas outside of the period of COVID where I didn't come home. Mm. Um, And so I kept pretty, you know, consistent contact with my family. Friends wise, I think it like shifted with time. I don't know. It kind of became like coming home became a little bit difficult because I would come home for like shorter periods of time. And so, mm-hmm. and like my friends were either in Cape Town, like high school friends and saying were like either in Cape Town or like just not here at the same time that I was. And so I didn't really get to see them 
very often. And I think that shifted our relationships in pretty significant ways. But I also think the longer I was there, the less I felt connected to some of my friends that it felt like, I don't know, I was experiencing something entirely different. And all we had to talk about was high school. You know, like, mm. there were friends who like absolutely grew with me, which was yeah. fabulous. But there mm. were some that I unfortunately lost contact with because we couldn't have growth conversations. There were some people who just didn't leave. Like, you know, there were things that I we just like didn't relate on so much anymore. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Like context really influences relationships and friendships mm -hmm. in a major way. Yeah. And like people don't, I, I don't know if people really talk about how, whether it's like the context of who you're becoming or the context of where you live, but literally as life begins to happen and you move from, you remove from that like initial space or place that you knew someone, mm. like the relationship either really shifts or it just gets destroyed honestly exactly. i mean well not or like you know drifts i guess is the more it changes like, significantly yeah sometimes yeah I, yeah there's 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 friendships that i've had to grieve um excuse me there's friendships that i've had to grieve um that i didn't realize had transitioned into something else mm. um as I grew, you know, that you like, sometimes you're not even paying attention to the fact that, you know, those friendships are drifting and you've like realized years later that you're like, Oh man, I'm one, I'm either like such a different person or, yeah. you know, the things that we related on or that gave the friendship substance are no longer relevant or happening. Or, you know, the way that I showed up in relationships is no longer yeah. who I am. And it like really Crazy. just nullifies <laughs> what made the friendship, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, man. that's I really actually, challenging um mm -hmm. no I just had my high school reunion last week like my tenure reunion <laughs> and it was so strange going back to that space because I think I've changed a lot and how I yeah. talk to people how I exist like, you know I think I've shared before in other episodes how I felt like I was like forcing myself to like be energetic be a certain way and it was so interesting mm -hmm. to go back into that space and I guess like I mean for one see other people and how other people have grown but also like how much I wasn't trying to be anything there I went out of curiosity Beautiful. honestly but yeah. I got there and I was like I'm really proud of myself like I'm not trying the same way I was when I was younger, trying to fit in or like saying things that I don't mean or like trying to make sure that people like me in a certain way. And I think as much as I was like on the fence about whether or not I wanted to go, I actually enjoyed being there as my new self, you know, like it was less, it even became less about the curiosity of other people and more about like, oh damn, I grew in a really and nice way witnessing me yeah. yeah like enjoying witnessing yourself show up in a different way when Absolutely. you're in a context that like you would have been totally different in and you're like "Ooh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hello me exactly <laughs> i like to meet myself in this way yeah but okay let me let me ask you then what contributed to that what do you think was the most over the past 10 years um was the most I want to use the word catalytic 
<laughs> but gave you the most, what was the most, yeah, like, what was the catalyst to you experiencing the most growth or change in how you show up, um, mm. whether that's in, in social contexts mm-hmm. rather or relationships? Oh, life is so much bigger than high school. And I think I was so fixated on life being what it was in high school that like I had this feeling that everything was just going to be the same, right? Like I was going to move, yeah, to this new place, but I think I had this, and and I think in hindsight, I don't think if you'd asked me then I would have said it, but I just assumed that things were just going to be the same. And I Mm -hmm. left and learned, which is a weird thing, I learned how much privilege I had, how blind I had been to the experiences of other people. Like I've always seen myself as like a really empathic person or a person who feels a lot, but really I was just, Mm. for lack of a better terminology, I was like a doormat and I was like, oh my gosh, if people are having feelings, I'm absorbing them and feeling them with you. And those are things that adults around me were like, oh my gosh, you're so mature for your age. Or like, oh, you're so, you know, warm and welcoming. a lot to say around that. Mm -hmm. And like, I can just dump all of my things on you. You know, like, I don't know that I'd say I was mature at all. I was just Mm -hmm. trying to exist in the way that would make the next person like me. And so I wasn't actually aware of the context of other people's experiences until I left. And I was in a country where people were like, your house looks like what? You drive what car? Your parents bought you a car at the end of school. And I was like, damn, I took for granted that I felt like these things were normal. And, you know, it, mm-hmm. and I think it says so much about my privilege in this country too, because this is not what South Africa looks like. What I was explaining is like a really minuscule, part of this country but i was so shocked even at myself to learn like damn i had a shit ton of privilege especially like when you realize in context of the rest of the world not just in south africa in america of all places yo okay i was like no america's a great like jarring it can't like everybody's like exactly people are taking out (laughs) ginormous loans in order to like fund their schooling and here i was walking through the halls of these expensive schools and not even having to bat an eye at paying tuition and that's like it made me feel so i had to work through a lot of guilt about that which i think is like a normal and necessary part of like learning about privilege no matter what your privilege is whether it's like racial privilege Mm -hmm. or gendered privilege or you know economic privilege with which I guess is what it was for me that I had to learn how ignorant not willfully of course but ignorant Mm -hmm. I had been to my privilege Mm -hmm. and I think in so like kind of coming back to your question I think I learned that life is so much bigger than this little bubble I was living in at this mm. private school in Johannesburg, in the north of Johannesburg, mm. right? Like, mm. and, and I learned that, I mean, I think my favorite lesson is that nobody knows what the hell they're doing. And also that like, you know, unfortunately, the way that the world works disadvantages certain groups of people. And I think my empathy as a young person 
empathy or people pleasing, whatever you want to call it, turned into this like desire to help other people acknowledge that it's not them. Like the world sometimes is really mm. shitty mm -hmm. and we can just make the best of what we can make the best of. And so I think in coming back and going to this reunion, I was really, it just became, it was just so much less important to me to be Ooh. liked by certain people. It's such a, a minuscule thing. And I'm just a lot more confident. And, you know, obviously that comes naturally right. with aging, <laughs> getting older. Yeah. Do, do you feel like being, I guess, being in a, like a larger or, you know, yeah, I guess, um, like kind of being introduced to life gave you more objectivity that then gave you the permission to not be so hyper-focused on yourself for your own experience and kind of see yourself, you know, seeing yourself in a larger context yeah. than being able to just navigate the social situation, seeing not just like your personal experience, say maybe it's like anxiety or, mm -hmm. you know, fear of you being personally judged, but like when you have the space to be like, oh no, I like in the context of the rest of the world, how I feel or this one interaction won't really Mm -hmm. matter or affect you know or like yeah like yeah well how would you phrase that question for yourself like I mean I want to say I feel like I don't know if this is experience for everyone because I also think going to school for what I went to school for had a lot to mm. do with right my growth right. so I don't right. know if this is like the everyday person's experience like if you didn't study psychology and like also just radical anti-oppressive psychology specifically yes that you know kind of starts by beating you up with the idea that the world really sucks and then you have to find out how do we find hope in the fact that mm -hmm. the world is in some ways yeah. not in favor of a lot of people um yeah I, I i think i would say yes the objectivity of like meeting people from different walks of life and i just you know in some ways i'd say america certainly raised my consciousness i don't know mm. i mean maybe i would have still ended up in this like conscious in the way that i am if i'd stayed in south africa but i think there was something really unique about the the luck that found me in mm. certain places that ended mm. in this being my life um oh, yeah Oof, yeah. yeah i saw I you had a face <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i resonate deeply with that no the face was like as you were saying like it's possible that you might have ended up you know in the same with the same kind of consciousness i personally for myself i'm doubtful that i would have been the same mm. person that i am with the same level of awareness that i have had i not left Interesting. i think i think i would have had the awareness to maintained i would have had a stronger spiritual life i think had i stayed in south africa i would have mm -hmm. been forced to rely a lot more on faith um i would have been stronger but in a different way but i don't think i'd be as um aware of you know decoloniality or justice mm -hmm. um i don't think i'd be as aware that life ultimately is benevolent i like met some challenges while i was mm. in a different context that i wouldn't have been exposed to had i stayed 
at home. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think it was just, I would have grown, but I would have grown in a different way. I, mm. I think had I stayed home, I would, I would still would have, we all evolve regardless of what context we're in. But I think the particular things that I learned while in Canada equipped me both for the work that I want to do and also for how I want to show up in the world. Um, mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like both by understanding coloniality, understanding um, a culture, being in a culture of like a balance of individualism while also being aware of how collectivism feels, mm-hmm. um, being yeah. aware of yeah. like socioeconomic challenges and the comparison point of having Canada and South Africa. Like I really, I love that I have both of those perspectives and I don't think I don't think I would be the same. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I think my evolution would have looked very, very different. Um, both still being valid, but I don't know. I, I really love who I am. Um, even I love who I became while abroad. And mm. I love who I'm becoming by being back at home and having the perspective of having been abroad. Oh, um, yeah. And Snaps experiencing yeah <laughs> and experiencing both like the cultural the economic the educational differences it's really I love what it's given me in terms of perspective mm, um, mm-hmm. would you say that and I guess like I want to hear from you like the amount of time that you were there but I also know from our own conversations and I don't know if you've mentioned this before that you didn't come back until you came back so no. I'm curious to hear what <laughs> if any that experience of kind of like leaving and then not coming back till so much time later what mm-hmm. i guess influence that had on your growth on your maybe even like resilience because i think you know i want to say like sidebar i think for me coming home in the beginning was really helpful for my like adjustment period that i was like okay i get to breathe mm-hmm. for a little bit and then i go back so i'm curious what did not coming back how did that affect you if it did oh man um, and how long you were okay, there so <laughs> i'll start with how long i was there so um i moved there on my 19th it was like my 19th i was 19 years old and then um stayed there for six years mm. and when I got there, the thing is, I was struggling with mental health already. Like I've been, you know, depressed for most of my life, like, and, you know, I was isolated largely. Um, And I did not cope um, from, you know, from various factors, like um, not having a lot of family support. Mm. Um, Like, had I been able to travel home, I think I probably would have decided to return earlier like return as in like permanently stay home maybe year two oh based on the fact that education I like I couldn't afford my my studies that side Mm. um my studies and my living expenses out of pocket my mom is you know she's um she's a single mom she works as a nurse but she's in Saudi Arabia which like if you're converting it to South African rands but to Canadian it's like woo yeah. um I did eventually like after a couple of years figure out how to get a job and then I was also you know I gradually learning about mental health and in a culture that really encourages like self-exploration and all these other wonderful mm-hmm. things um 
like that was a helpful part. But I think if I was considering things long-term and I had the, I guess, the insight that education one is like the one tool or not the one tool, like considering technology now, but still a very like reliable tool to move your, I guess, socioeconomic standard of living, basically. Um, I would have focused more on getting an education than like how safe and at peace or like having a sense of belonging um, that I felt in Canada. I think I would have sacrificed that for getting an education first or having a solid financial foundation and then moving back to Canada had I known that retrospectively. Uh. Um, But what made me stay there, I think, is the fact that I felt a sense of, well, this one is complex for me. Uh-huh. It's complex because I navigating the immigration system and like, you know, working Oof. with the government is like a yeah. whole thing for it's a like that I found while being depressed and struggling with education and struggling with finances. Yeah. I just yeah. was kind of in a state of overwhelm and I kind of just stayed because like I could not, did not take the right actions that I did not know in some instances what the right actions were to take. And I couldn't really ask anyone. Um, And the only person who would have been able to afford to get me a ticket, my mom, two years later after I arrived in Canada, actually lost her job and I had to drop out of my university. Yeah. And so, and then I started working and then tried to yeah. get back into school, but I wasn't making enough to go back to study. And I was like struggling to pay off my credit card, struggling to study, struggling to pay rent. You and then, had to grow up dumb quickly. Yo. <laughs> oh my word. And then, and then um, yeah. And I, I was still like trying to figure out how to like switch my, you know, visa from a study visa to a work permit. Mm. Um, Cause you are limited the, like the amount of hours you're allowed to work um, legally um, on a student visa in Canada used to be um, 20 hours. And then okay. they increased it to 40 now, like literally last year after like, yeah, when I left okay. in 2022, like end of 2022, they increased it to allow students to work 40 hours a week because they recognize that rent is increasing and, you know, people are not able to sustain oh. studies and work. Yeah. For international students, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I fortunately was blessed enough to meet some people who were able to, you know, kind of guide me. I was like, you know, in community with some really awesome humans. I I would really love to like, you know, expand and talk about all of the amazing humans that I met, but I yeah. met, you know, queer community. I met people who were under, you know, focused on wellness and like somatic healing and like trauma mm-hmm. was like a, a conversation that people were having regularly yeah. um, conversations yeah. around consent um, were conversations that people were having regularly. There was like active engagement with like really difficult subject matter that I feel like part of my trauma or like my part of my, you know, um, dissociation, I guess, was based on the fact that none of the pain that I was experiencing growing up was ever really talked about or addressed. Mm. And so I found myself in a context where people were speaking freely about things. And so I could process it more easily. And so I was able to feel one, a sense of like self-forgiveness knowing that mm-hmm. there wasn't something just like fundamentally wrong with me for struggling with school and cognitive function and like yeah. maintaining my mental health and you know all these other things that are a uh like as a or that come as a result of having experienced trauma or adversity in early childhood and then um 
being around people who were accepting of however it was that I was showing up and just giving, like, you just kind of reassuring me that what I have is enough. Um, yeah, and then there's yeah. obviously the environmental part of the safety and then having access to privilege. I, you know, like there was some, str- there was some struggle in there, but. Right. Yeah. And, the, and the, like the conversation is very nuanced, but yeah. I don't... Yeah. I, you know, actually, as you're speaking, I'm thinking like, I am so like part of me, like I wanted to say, and I'm going to say, I admire the resilience of your young adult self to keep going when life is hard. And as I was thinking to say that, I was like, hmm, I heard a lot of people, you know, would say to me, like, you just up and moved to another continent when you were 18 years old. That's crazy. And at the time I was like, yeah, I mean, it's not that bad. It's like, whatever. (laughs) But like in Mm. hindsight, that is really challenging. And so like first, I want to say I admire the resilience of your childhood self to just leave, but then also like have things go wrong and not know what to do and still keep going. (laughs) And, you know, I think I mean this for anybody who's experienced adversity and challenge in life which i guess is everybody um but particularly for like marginalized bodies the resilience it takes for us to keep going is insane Mm -hmm. and i obviously also think i owe my younger self like a lot of praise for the resilience of like you are just navigating a new place with absolutely no information yeah. No, like no information. This the way that you have, like, literally, yeah. you're in a new country in a new context. Mm-hmm. None of you know how you understand and operate your life. You know, is the same. is coming with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you, like some parts of it were, you know, are obviously like transferable. Like, you know, maybe how to navigate social, but it's an entirely different context yeah um and culture is different too even managing social experiences is still not the same yeah just the way people talk i had a question (laughs) yeah the way people talk how they relate to each other how they like there's all these components of like you know human relationship that are like specific to location specific to south africa specific to you know the u.s and even different parts of so that like you know people engage differently so um i had a question for you earlier on um did you like kind of in 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 relation to going to your reunion was there ever and the peace you felt mm. <laughs> or the kind of being self-assured was there ever a time where you had to contend with not liking yourself and had to learn how had to learn basically the skill of self-acceptance that then allowed you to be more, um, I guess, self-assured in in social context. Because when we're, you know, over-focused on how other people are judging us and we've never had to go through a season where we Mm. were judging ourselves, you know, more harshly than other people might even judge us and we had to rebuild the relationship with self. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of contributes to a sense, that that at least is what happened for me, Um, that kind of contributing to a sense of, peace and self-acceptance that allowed me to be a little more self-assured in communication and social interaction with other people did you ever go through a season where you had to yeah had to experience that um or rebuild your relationship to yourself that then allowed you to build confidence was that ever a part of your experience okay so you're not saying at the reunion you're saying like 
no like in context that informed how you felt at the reunion Mm. yeah I mean I still think I'm learning myself I don't I wouldn't say like I'm like oh yeah I fully I love the Kumo that I I am right now a million percent (laughs) um yeah I think I mean I think I feel more evolved now than I have ever but I think that comes with aging uh Mm. I also just turned 28 and I feel like 28 feels it's the first time the age actually feels different but anyway Mm. um I think what something that I had to contend and and, you know I want to say that (laughs) being in psychology and learning about psychology and the brain and um Mm. how our cognitions can hurt and help us and you know all these different things it means that I had to be met with myself before I was ready to be a lot mm-hmm. in my program. There were things that people would say that I was like, I'm not ready <laughs> to hear that yet. But like I had to, cause I had to learn this information. Yeah. And so, and I also think like being a, a well-rounded provider, mental health provider, I had to be met with the part of myself that doesn't like to make mistakes the part that can change or doesn't like to change her mind very often. And I think Mm -hmm. that was a really large part of my growth because I think with time, especially because of the child that I felt like I was forced to be in my house with my family and even at school to some degree, I felt like I had to know the answer a lot that I wasn't allowed to change my mind. I wasn't allowed to make a mistake Mm -hmm. and it made me really anxious as a young person. And I think my version of accepting myself was learning how to change my mind gracefully. And it's uncomfortable. It's still uncomfortable. I'm not going to say it was, it still is uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but the practice of choosing not to speak because even if I know the answer, or even if I think someone might not have it right, quote unquote, Mm. right, because what is right, Mm -hmm. really, learning that my right is not always right for other people. Mm -hmm. That was a really big challenge for me. Because, you know, just like we were talking about a couple weeks ago, the idea of being a therapist for me was like, I have to be perfect. I have to have all the answers, I have to look like my life is put together, because how is a person going to trust me? with their information and their life if my life is a mess, if I don't know what I'm talking about. And for a long time, I would just chat for the sake of chatting with my clients. Even if I didn't know the answer, I couldn't be like, you know what, I'm gonna get back to you on that. Or I couldn't say, I might have it wrong here, but I wonder if this might be what's going on. Mm. You know, and even if, you know, I was under the impression that if someone comes in and ABC is happening in their life, ABC equals ABC. And so I would say to them, this is what's happening. And a person would be like, no, actually, Kumo, I don't think that's it. And I'd be like, "Mm, but I'm your therapist. So it is. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Having to come up against the part of myself. and, And, you know, even in Western psychology, that's more or less what you learn that like, here is the issue and here is the answer. And so I was lucky enough to find a practice where they were practicing a lot of decolonized and anti-oppressive work that was like, no, actually, 
Western psychology doesn't have all the answers because it's not for certain groups of people. And so we are learning with each other how to do this in the best way possible. And so anyway, my I think my biggest, one of my so far biggest lessons that I had to learn that helped me get more comfortable with myself was the art of not always having the answer, not speaking mm -hmm. up even if I think I know what the answer is, mm -hmm. and changing my mind even if I do speak. Like if I say, this is what it is, and then being like, wait, no, I take that back. You might be right. <laughs> that was so... <laughs> so between your studies and your work, mm. do you feel like allowing yourself to be wrong um, or, you know, to, I guess, to not value <laughs> or, yeah, to not prioritize authority or like mm. knowing everything or professional, whatever the instance, do you feel All like that things. was... <laughs> that was like the most confronting thing that also provided a catalyst for you to experience exponential growth more than you would had you not studied what you studied and worked in the specific work, like decolonial work that you did. Was that, do you feel like that was like the main catalyst of learning how to get it wrong? Mm -hmm. No, I'm going to take back what I said. I mean, I'm going to add to it actually. Okay. That and learning that I also have shit. Because I, for a long time... <laughs> if there was a buzzer, I'd put a buzzer! A literal buzzer. Um, Ooh, yes. Yeah, for yeah. a long time, I was like, if I can learn the information, Buzz. then yeah. I will have said answer and my relationships yes. will also look like that yeah. and i think that's I'll a get lot it of perfectly and then yeah. i'll be equipped to teach exactly exactly that there is an end there's an end point to this thing um and that there are people who don't have the answers and there are people who do and i'm one of the people mm. who do and mm. so i think i think i will take back that and say the largest catalyst was learning that i'm also operating with blind spots mm. a lot of them and so even in my desire to or belief that i know what's right or i know the answer mm. i'm also speaking from my answer based on my experience mm -hmm. and that is inherently different from even my sibling who grew up in the exact same house as me with the exact same parents because obviously we learned mm. that it's not the same at all so right. yes i think i think that's also given me the comfort to not answer just for the sake of answering because it's just an answer. It might not be the right one, but yeah. it's just an answer. And so yeah. getting to, and, and for a long time, I used to think if I don't say the thing that I think is right, or that I believe is right, I'm doing this person a disservice because it felt as if like I was obliged to give you, tell you that you're wrong, that that's not the right answer. And I think that that came from a childhood of like feeling pressured to always know exactly what I'm talking about. So I would research a lot of things. I was always like, if I'm gonna engage in, I, I, my family was very like, I don't wanna say combative, but it was like, we were debaters and I was mm. just not a debater. I would just start crying, but it still instilled this desire for me to like, have the answer always 
And so I would have to look it up. I always have to know what's the right way to do this thing or the best way to do this thing. And so if someone doesn't know, I have to tell them. But no, I don't. It's not my business. It's also not right. You know, like, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I very I very deeply resonate with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I had this fear. For, like, for me, it came from a fear of being seen as, I guess, less smart or, you know, inadequate. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted yeah. people to perceive me as having it together. Um, but that came from a, a place of feeling hyper-responsible for you know, the emotions and the perceptions mm-hmm. of people in my life. Like I didn't really get a lot of time to be a kid um, in my upbringing at yeah. all. So um, even out, and then also there's like the whole part of academia and industrialism and like, you know, rewarding people based on, you know, like their arbitrary memory, all other, Yeah, all the, all this other stuff. <laughs> um, but I very much had this, like, you know, this perfectionism and this theme or thread of wanting to be seen as having it together, knowing the answers, having it right, getting it right the first time, um, that getting to a place where, one, I knew that I, I don't know everything and mm. I can't know everything. And it's okay to just say I don't know and it's okay to just be still to not interject my opinion to not try to be the smartest person in the room it doesn't benefit myself or anyone to try to perform intelligence Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and that's really difficult to contend with okay so if that is the most confronting part of I guess your journey of being in the U.S. what was your most confronting um experience of coming back home and it doesn't have to relate to your work but mm-hmm. what was the lesson that really hit you hard that has also given you a sense of growth um hmm. and how long have you been home I've only been home it'll be a year in a uh, in two months so not even a year it's been 10 months at this point yeah. crazy honestly (laughs) yeah yeah you said before we started recording that you had to get into your like just returned the just landed Mm. mindset and you know when you said that I was like huh I think I'm still there honestly I think Mm. I'm still figuring out what this version of myself is like but I Mm. think I might have to get back to you on what the most confronting lesson is, but I think something that I am learning to get comfortable with is being detached from the outcome of things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that, and this is also something that I think has just always existed for me as a person is like, I'm a planner. And that's also why I usually would think I had the right answer because I'm like, well, if the restaurant opens at one and we get ready at 11 then we'll leave at 11 you know and then when that didn't happen I would get really anxious so, all the variables. Right, 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 right. yeah Oof. and so like I think it was a way of keeping myself safe from things going wrong by over planning mm-hmm. and you know as I the last two or three years have been tumultuous to say the least you know my date for leaving America was getting closer And I was still figuring out like, okay, well, what do I do if I go back? What if I don't go back? What if I apply for another degree program? Like I, I was overdoing the planning instead of just enjoying the time that I had left. And Mm. I think in some ways I didn't really give myself a lot of time to grieve because life was moving so fast. And I was also just like 
trying to avoid the discomfort of grieving this place that I have to leave when I don't know when I'm coming back. Mm. And I wasn't ready. I would say I was not ready to come back. And I think that that made it so much harder. It made it a lot more challenging. Mm. But uh, since being here, I've had to mm-hmm. come to terms with being detached from the outcome of this entire experience. Because I mm-hmm. think for the first five, six months, and I, you know, I won't say it's gone, it's still there, just less prevalent. For the first six months I was here, I was basically just counting down the days to leaving again. That I was mm. doing everything with the, with the expectation that I would have to drop and leave at some point and that it was coming really soon. Mm. And I think mm. that made my relationships difficult. I ended relationships because I was like attached to this idea of coming back. And I was like, it's fine, it'll be fine. And when it wasn't, it just made things a lot, that much harder. But I think the moment I started to remind myself that like, life's gonna be okay no matter what. It's gonna go a different direction than you expected, but Mm. you'll be okay. It might be a different reality than you intended, a different reality than you visualized, a different reality than you planned for. But that's all. It'll just be different. And who's to say it would have been better if I stayed, right? I felt a lot of regret about not mm. like frantically applying to another program, even though I very well knew I did not want to keep studying. Um, mm. But I was like, why didn't I just like find a way to stay? Because now it's going to take longer for me to go back and all this back and forth. And I felt so much more freedom the second I was like, look, this is the reality that we have. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. Like, it might work out, it might not, but that doesn't mean I don't ever get to travel again. It doesn't mean I don't Mm -hmm. ever get to see my friends again. It doesn't mean I don't ever get to move again if that's what I feel like I wanna do. And some days are harder than others. Like some days I'm like, Mm -hmm. all right, cool. Like maybe I'll move to Mexico for a little bit. Maybe I want a digital nomad, you know? Maybe I wanna, I don't know, try out a different field of study or like add something new to my repertoire. And then other days are just really difficult because I'm thinking about the relationships that I had to, that I didn't give myself enough time to like grieve or spend time with. My friends wanted to like throw me like a going away party, but I like moved really abruptly from New Jersey Mm. to Virginia. And like, they were also shocked. And I, I, you know, in hindsight, I feel like I was just making these like rash decisions because I didn't know what to do. And so- Do you feel like you were in a state of panic like in the time leading up to I was your yeah. return for like, a long okay. time yeah for a really long time a period of years months I I want to say I want to say for at least like a year and maybe a year and a half but I mm-hmm. will say like from January of last year I was in a constant state of like oh my gosh what do i do what comes next like and it's you know it's such a unique struggle to be in a place where you can't predict your outcome that there's Mm. nothing you can do about it Mm -hmm. because even the type of visa that i ended up applying for that i'm still waiting for i can't do anything about like my job has to do that i can't do anything I just yeah. have to watch and wait and see. It's out of your hands. Yeah. yeah. And that was so, it's so, so challenging, especially for a person yeah. who likes to be in control of things, to be like, listen. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. 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 So oh, I don't know. Goodness. I'm still learning what my like moment of, you know, my lesson is here, but that one is that's one that I have one. to repeat to myself often. That's a, yeah. That's a big one. The releasing mm. of control of a certain outcome, especially when you like, like when you are a person who wants to like, who wants the one wants the, not the best outcome, but like, I don't even know how to describe it. I like, I think is best for your well being. Yeah. I don't know what's and best. you're not able to directly influence it. Like yeah. you've done all you can to directly influence, but like mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what you think is the best outcome, not feeling like you can access that or it's not up to you. Like what exactly. you, what your best outcome is, isn't in your yeah. hands to like bring into fruition or fully accomplish. Like not saying you can't, but like the timeline yeah. isn't up to you. The, and it you know, messed with a lot. Like, it messed That's with my relationships. Really it messed with yeah. like what I thought I wanted to do. Like people are like, oh my gosh, you're an entrepreneur. Is this something you wanted to do? And I'm like, no, honestly, it fell into it's my hands. I never thought about but it. Here's where we are. Yeah, this is yeah. not the plan, but here is where we are. Exactly. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And in hindsight, I, I wouldn't wow. say this was the worst decision. Like, yes, yeah. there are days where it's really challenging, mm-hmm. but I who's to say it wouldn't have been challenging if i'd stayed i don't think came healing would exist if i didn't come back and that like i think i mean maybe i would have started it a lot later in life once i chose to come back to south africa but i think this was supposed to be here this move changed my relationships to people which someone was holding on to for far too long (laughs) and it changed my relationship to my work to my what i felt like my purpose was it actually really also just brought me back to myself because Mm. I think for a long time I was not I was not present and my friends have been saying to me for the last since COVID started they've been saying like can we have really bad luck and I'm like yeah I, I started to think so too I got COVID my house flooded two times I had like I was homeless for like a month like in the last four three four years life has showed me absolute flames i think life was saying go home (laughs) (laughs) i mean to some extent i'm like i don't it could have continued it It really could have i think i think one of the things that i feel like and i I don't know it to be like objectively true but i Mm. think sometimes when things are maybe not necessarily going wrong but when you're caught in cycles of instability Mm. and you're not sure why like you yourself aren't able to pinpoint what the variable is that keeps creating yeah said instability yeah and <laughs> you're just you're just trying to not drown in the waves oh my gosh it's <laughs> you literally showing, it, yeah you're not sure what to change and you just keep showing up in the same way <sighs> something that innately fucked. has to shift like something has Yo. to break and where you find yourself even if you define it as being adrift usually that sense of like the breaking point usually lands you in a place where you can rebuild where you can start again like if you're in a cycle of perpetual mishaps that breaking point is literally the reset and the restart that might feel sometimes like rock bottom that might feel like sometimes like not where you're supposed to be but it's literally right where you are is exactly the starting point that you needed to get out of that cycle 
full of chaos and it doesn't feel like it when it's happening because you're like this is not where i was going this This is is not not what was supposed to happen who did this universe please stop i would not have led my life this way who who brought us here because Mm. we need to have a chat (laughs) that was so beautifully said like yeah life is like gather yourself gather yourself i'm giving you an opportunity to to gather yeah. yourself, redirect, reflect. You're going to grieve. Some things are going to break and some things are never going to be the way that you, you some things are not going to be the same and they're never going to be the way that you intended them to be. Mm. But it's okay. This is this is an opportunity for reset. This is a, a gift that, that looks like a, a mess. It looks like a hot you know, mess. It looks like a hot mess, but it's oh, Thank you okay. for that. I really you, needed yeah, that. Once you like contend yeah. with the grief, then you're like, okay, this yeah. is my mess here's what I'm rebuilding because then you really know that. what you have what you do have because some things you'll be in that cycle of chaos you'll be grasping onto things that you don't really have that you think are stable mm. but you might keep stepping on a stumbling block that you don't realize is a stumbling block because you're like that's it's there though I don't know why I keep stepping on this thing Shuts. and it crumbles and you're like but I Shuts. thought it was solid and you're holding on to things that are not that are kind of you know illusions or like a mirage like whether it's a mirage of a relationship it's a mirage of a job it's a mirage of a you know of a relationship of a life path of a career of a a home and you keep stepping on it because you think it's stable but Mm. you fall it keeps falling right under you and Mm. then you're like okay you keep either you reach your breaking point and you hit that reset (laughs) and then you come to realize what you really have got what really is stable because what stays in that breaking point is what you really have and that's what you build on what what can we have a moment of silence for that like those last five minutes because that was so freaky like you just like can we end it here like this is a mic drop moment what do you even mean you literally just gathered the whole purpose of this thing and like I feel like it's, I mean, look, it's the universe, it's God, it's whatever you believe in, steering you in the direction that you're supposed to go. That was so beautifully said. I have no words. I don't have words. I don't have words anymore. The podcast is over now. I don't know. That was God. God. Come on. This is why this is your job. (laughs) This is why this is your job. That was not planned at oh, all. But was, thank you, God. Thank that you. That good. Wow. That was good. I needed that, to hear that. I that was true. That. <laughs> Listen. Okay, let's you wrap here it up. And you needed that. <laughs> <laughs> we needed it too. Sheesh. Wow. I want us to. I mean, I feel like we should probably go towards an ending, but I want to hear about. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a good ending point maybe one or two regrets or things you wish you had known either before you left to go or it can be things that you wish or regret before you left Mm -hmm. or once you came back or in your decision to come back again to well to state the 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 obvious or the thing that we all say is that there are no mistakes Mm -hmm. really um you know that we we do better when we know better like I've had to tell myself kind of things within that line when I'm thinking about my regrets um or thinking about what I wish I had known or what I wish I had done better is that 
we we just we make do with what we have in in life so I won't say it's things that I necessarily regret but things that I have learned are important to me and that I wish I had I guess wish I had known from mm. an earlier time <laughs> that would have been beneficial for me to use at a specific time um I think in my phase of moving from South Africa to Canada I wish I had known um that maintaining a relationship with God and having faith mm. is really important to me um that it gave me and gives me a sense of identity and foundation in the world when there's so many unknowns i feel like and also like when my identity is like in seasons where my identity is clouded in shame mm -hmm. it's it's really grounding to have a perspective that says you are loved you are worthy unconditionally you know like mm. that is what faith gives and gave me and also a sense of you are made with purpose and intention mm. i there are times while i was in canada that i felt really adrift and um detached from everything that i knew um and there's a lot of like you know new things that were being introduced that i was like you know trying to grasp onto and form an identity that i you know was always ever changing in some ways were positive in some ways were were not and i would you know find myself whether it was like spiritually adrift or even more depressed or yeah, you know yeah. like grappling with things in a spiritual context that felt um beyond me it's really coming home um kind of taught me that you know having a relationship with with god higher power um and having that sense of trust and rapport um and a, a, like being aware of that there's a benevolent influence over my life overall no matter what mistake i could make really kind of helped me kind of gain a sense of forgiveness and peace um another one would be i wish i had known what i didn't know about money and debt and mm. how important money one. is and how much of a tool um it is not just like in my personal finances but like understanding that money as a as a concept in and of itself is not bad and how you manage or mismanage money is not um an indication of your you know your virtue and value as a human but mm -hmm. rather you can view money objectively use it as a tool to better yourself and if you are wanting to navigate understanding it if you don't come from a, a you know a family or a context where money is freely talked about you can always learn about it and there's no mm -hmm. shame in not understanding such a vital part of just you know no navigating shame. the human experience yeah yeah that's good um that's fantastic yeah. thank you that's yeah one. i think yeah i think those are my main regrets it's probably like money and faith yeah yeah um i love that oh yeah yeah i have two and i think i'll i'll start with yeah. the less fun one but i don't know that i'd hmm. say it's funny it's something i both of them are things i wish i'd known but they're not quite regrets mm -hmm. this first one I wish I had known that I would never feel quite at home again. That one is hard. It doesn't make me regret leaving though, but I certainly feel ever since leaving this sense of like parts of me are at home in different places. Like I feel a little bit 
displaced from both of my now i think i'd say america is a version of a home to me and i'd say that because of the people and the relationships that i created there that i it doesn't feel like anything will exactly remember those things resemble those things ever again mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yeah i wish i'd known that i would never quite feel at home again um the second thing i wish i had known to let go of the reins a little bit that everything will work out the way that it's supposed to and i can take a breath because i think i lost a lot of time worrying about the future and i don't know if this is a leaving thing or if it's just like a product of being a 20 something <laughs> We're always worrying about the things that we think are supposed to be happening or not supposed to be happening or how mm -hmm. quickly we're reaching these arbitrary life milestones. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I wish I'd known that it would be okay, even in the really, really shitty experiences that mm -hmm. I would overcome them and it would be fine. My reality, like I said, might be different. Yeah. But it won't quite be bad. It'll just be the reality. It'll just be. Yeah. Do you think the illusion, do you think the amount of pressure that we put on young people, or maybe if it's, you know, bringing it more personally to you or the amount of pressure that you felt to get it right, gave you the illusion that you were also in control? Mm. Um, yeah. And it does, it, it, you know, control doesn't have to necessarily be an illusion or it doesn't have to be framed in that sense. But do you feel like you should, you maybe put pressure on yourself to be in control mm -hmm. to the degree that you felt, yeah, to the degree that you felt you should? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know how to phrase that question better, but yeah. I had the false <laughs> illusion that I could control all the outcomes in life that I could plan the external or internal pressure. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, it started as external and I internalized <clears> it. And I think the, <laughs> the, I, I think it, it was less about like, do I want and more about like, I have to, or I need to, like, this is the right way to do this. And if you don't do it that way, you feel shame. And so I think the alternative was only shame, not just like, oh, it's just different. But for me, it was like, no, if I don't do it this way. Your life is destroyed. Exactly. You've wasted. Exactly. <laughs> that was, but oh like, my gosh. And that's so traumatic for a person to be like, oh my gosh, if this doesn't happen this way, my life is yeah. over. And it's like, it's oh. like in hindsight, it's like, that's, that's a lot. I don't know if it's over. No. Like you won't die no. per se. But it feels <laughs> like that because the world makes it seem like that. Like you're a shameful person right. if you don't right. go get a degree immediately. Or you're a shameful person if you don't study a certain thing. Or you're a shameful person if you don't get married or have a child. or I Get it right. Exactly. Get it right the first time. And those things are right. But like there's so much mm. evidence that no, it's not. Like there are people who are married who never wanted to do it to begin with. People who have kids who probably shouldn't have. You know, there are people mm. in careers who are doing it for the sake of money and probably really miserable, you know, mm. like it's, yeah. it's the pressure to get it right really messes with our desire. Mm. And I think even for me, once I stopped trying to get it right, 
I was like, well, how else do I live? Like, what do you mean I get to do things I want? Like, what do I want? What is my desire in life? That is freedom. That is it's real freeing freedom. It's freeing and scary, that but is... mostly freeing. <laughs> yeah. Like, the permission to know that you can choose and there's no wrong choice mm. is something that rarely, like, you know, happens for most people, particularly, you know, like femme folks, like Mm -hmm. we don't really get to, and one understand that we have freedom and autonomy, that it's not, you know, a concept that's just reserved for no men, no white men, like Mm -hmm. that. Yes, we can like, and we can, you know, see and utilize our agency um, and, you know, be an individual outside of, you know, our families and the, mm. the kind of concepts that they put on, on us more, you know, the, the pressure to perform in certain ways, whether that is, you know, like whether it's performing femininity or performing, yeah. um, yeah, being a, a picture of domestic bliss or whatever, um, pressure to appear smart or, you know, always, you know, whether it's people, whatever, whatever it is, but we have agency and we're allowed to make mistakes and we're allowed to get it wrong. And whatever, you know, detour you take as a result of a choice you make, you're not, in, it doesn't, nothing inherently, you know, damages your inherent worth. You are mm. a worthy human being having a, you know, a valid life experience, regardless of where it takes you. Love that. Like, yeah. That's a beautiful lesson to learn. I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that lesson is, is landing for you and mm-hmm. is landing for me still in process and in progress. And obviously it's going to land We're differently in different seasons Yeah, and I'm willing to make room for that, but I'm really glad that is something that we've gotten to learn and we're still young. Exactly. <laughs> you oh <know>? my goodness. <laughs> the fact <laughs> that there's so much life ahead of us. I feel like we also just like, you use your twenties panicking about the next 60, 70 years. It's crazy. It's crazy. I do that. Anyways, let's let's um <laughs> thank, thank you, you for, for that. sharing your wisdoms. I really we need to make that hello everyone. I'm saying this on here. There's gonna be a trailer of that that little moment where we dropped the mic like twenty <laughs> times in five minutes. Fantastic stuff. Thank you for so, listening. Uh, thank you yes. for sharing your beautiful wisdom with our thank listeners today. Thank you so much, beloved. Um, we will see and hear and check in with you all next week. Um, yeah. And if you want to connect with us, um, all of the links, whether it's to social media, to booking mm-hmm. consults, to Kumo's YouTube channel, all of the things are in the links. <laughs> fabulous, fabulous. Um, and we love y'all. And thank you for joining with us. All Bye. right. Until next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>